Welcome everyone back to the Tailgate Country Podcast with Brett Hunter and Jessica. Today we have someone that we've met uh, once and we walked up to him at Whiskey Jam. His name is Clayton Mann and we walked up to him at Whiskey Jam and asked if he wanted to be on our podcast after seeing him at a songwriter's round uh, because he's a great guitarist, great songwriter. Uh, it's a super fun interview. We really had fun with it. I uh, can't wait for y'all to hear. So let's go ahead and just dive on into it. Here is Clayton Mann. What's going yeah, on? You know, I uh, I played Broadway today. I stayed out. I only slept about five hours because I stayed up till two on accident. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't plan on that happening on accident, huh? Oh, so, and then uh, then I took a little nap. Now here I am. I'm I'm refreshed and I'm ready to go. Oh man, I was I was kind of hoping you're running on uh, five hours of sleep because I I was like this is gonna be great. It's gonna be content cold. I mean, it's gonna be content. Cold I am anyway, always, but... I'm always running on empty. I am. <laughs> <laughs> always living behind the eight ball and i i'm too poor to afford any drugs that keep me going so i'm just <laughs> running on uh, well yeah. forever everyone Are we listening. To say that kind of thing yeah say whatever you want I just, if you'd swear i put a little e next to it and i mean we're here to we're here to talk to you we're not here to get press clippings so you know well, they, say that's what you want um, but for everyone listening, we're talking to uh, our new friend. His name's Clayton Mann. Uh, we met him in Nashville. He's originally from Chicago. And uh, we'd like to formally welcome him on the show. It's good to be here. Welcome, y'all. Welcome to Tailgate Country Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. So why don't you get us started by telling us a little bit about you and how you got to play music in Nashville? Well, I started playing music when I was probably 11, I was in a band with my brothers and we played a lot of rock and roll. And when, so then they were about, look, we're going to fast forward the whole story. When they turned 18 and I was 15 or 16, they decided they were done with music. So I joined a entertainment group and uh, I was in a wedding band slash birthday party band. And we played weddings <laughs> and birthday parties and I did that for a couple of years. That's kind of where I got my guitar chops and all that kind of stuff because I played lead in that band. And then, um, you know, my parents, you know, we never really talked about college. We did, but it was really, I, you know, I never really wanted to go. So I worked at a golf course for four years <clears throat> during high school. I was homeschooled in high school with all the music stuff. And uh, when college came up, it was either, hey, I told dad, I go, I'm either going to get my PGA certificate and become a golf coach or I'm going to move to Nashville. And obviously I chose the latter and went to Nashville, which is a much more enjoyable path than being at a golf course, <laughs> which sounds wonderful, but I know it was two tough decisions, golf or music. But, <laughs> so now I've been in Nashville actually like uh, three years this week. So it's been, it's just been high speed ever since I got here. It's been nonstop. Do you still golf for fun? I do. That's if I'm yeah. not really doing music, I'm probably out golfing because if I stayed with music all the time, I'd go crazy. <laughs> this career drives you nuts so that's my therapy is going out there and I got to keep that golf swing I worked so hard for so you know. 
Well, you said that you started uh, playing in a band or with your brothers at around 11. Were you, yeah. you were playing at like dive bars and stuff or what were, what were you playing at? Oh, we were playing everywhere we could. We were playing backyards. We were playing dive bars up and down the streets. And <laughs> I mean, we played we played a lot of places. We played the Whiskey A Go Go in L.A. twice. I mean, and we were hardcore rock and roll. We were like Metallica rock. Um, you know, we played like heavy metal kind of rock. So that's kind of where I what I kind of grew up on was definitely like harder edged um rock and roll which i still enjoy playing but you know i love more if i, I could be listening to like a george jones record or i'm listening to like heavy metal that's kind of where <laughs> i sit I, I really don't have a middle ground so but that that's why i love high energy that's kind of what the show we put on it's more high energy i do things on stage and that um you know i don't i used to perform with the guitar now we hired another guitar player and perform with one and we were in Ames, Iowa, and I, there was a balcony in the bar called Outlaws, and I'm climbing the balcony with the wireless microphone during the show, and, and we played the Wild Horse, and I'm with the microphone walking, running up and down the dance floor and running back on stage. So I try to I try to have a high-energy kind of, I don't want to say Garth style, but kind of that mantra. Of like, <laughs> you're not going to forget it, you know? That's kind of what I like to say. Yeah. Um. I can't imagine being in a dive bar at 11 and people's reaction to that or just any bar or any situation. Were people surprised to see you like that, that young playing? Well, I think my parents, my people more or less questioned my parents' decisions, not ours, <laughs> you know, because they were bringing us in. I mean, they were having a ball. We were having a ball. So they would pay us and, you know, in a free bar tap. So we'd get off stage and eat, you know, <laughs> chicken tenders, which probably wasn't the healthiest thing for me at the time, but it got us by. So that's, yeah. you know, I was, it's just, that's kind of where I grew up was, you know, in the bars and all that. That's why when I got <laughs> to Nashville and a lot of people were shocked by Broadway and the big city. And I was just like, it's just another, you know, you just got to go down there and play and go out on the road and play and just keep on playing wherever you're at, you know? Yeah, and for sure. You mentioned your guitar chops earlier. Um, and boy, is that underselling it. <laughs> this, this, this dude, he, he turns heads. Uh, we first saw you play uh, with our good friend SJ McDonald uh, at Tory Grace's round uh, Nashville. Mm -hmm. And we, it was, it was me and, and Hunter, my fiance, we kind of all looked at each other. We're like, who is that? Um, I mean, this dude can shred a guitar, seriously. So where did you learn how to play? You know, who influenced you and your style and just kind of walk us through that? Well, you know, what's amazing is I never really planned on being a guitar player at all. It was just kind of like, as I started to play more, I just learned leads. And I mean, my brother, John, he's an active Marine. He's out in San Diego right now. I always think, I mean, I really do think I'm a guitar player. I'm not going to lie. I mean, I thank you guys for recognizing that, but my brother could play a guitar so smooth. He could just, so I would kind of watch him and I'd watch how smooth he was on the guitar and I mean, I, I looked up to blues guys like uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Billy Gibbons as Easy Top and those kind of guys. And I learned a lot of those licks. And then I got into kind of Brad Paisley. Um, and I was always a B.B. King guy as well. So it was kind of like I just started learning. And then when I got to Nashville, there was kind of this thing of people like, hey, can you play lead? And I'm like, I mean, I was kind of like I couldn't play lead, but I was like, I could play enough lead. So that's kind of how that went by. It was just kind of I just started kind of playing lead. And now it's. I mean, it's weird saying that I've like played guitar for, for 10 years now. So it's just kind of one of those things where you just start, you just start playing. If you do it every day, you know, you're bound to get a little better at it, you know? So during mm -hmm. rounds and I played with SJ a bunch of times, she's super talented. And you know that once that singer gives you the look, you kind of have the key in your head, you just kind of start going and 
over the years, you kind of find, you know, what kind of leads to play with the vibe of the song. And is it honky talking? Is it more R and B? Is it bluesy? Is it smooth? And you just kind of, you just kind of really kind of people are like, man, how you do it? And it's like, man, I'm just winging it with a lot of confidence. <laughs> you know what I mean? I am BSing this thing, but I'm, I'm balls to the wall with it. And people think it's good. And I mean, I enjoy doing it. I think it's a hey, bunch of fun. Fake it till you make it. That's my motto. <laughs> I agree. So like agree. no music theory doesn't sound like a whole lot of professional training or do we just gloss over that? Well, I stopped taking lessons about four years ago and I guess I was never into theory. I think when I was in that, that wedding band, um, the band leader would just yell out the key of a song because we didn't have charts or anything. And I would kind of have to learn the song by ear on stage. So he'd yell out C or D or A, whatever, the, you know, all those keys. And, I, and then when I got to Nashville, I kind of got that number system of the one, four, five, six kind of thing. And there's, I mean, there's more numbers than that and more kind of things with that, you know, whole Nashville number thing. But it was really when I got to Nashville was when I was like, oh, okay, you can hear any song and there's just a structure to every song. And in my head, I kind of start breaking it down and I just kind of, I just kind of throw what I got. But no, I had a teacher, you know, probably till up until I was 17. And well, actually, no, I had five different teachers. I guess I wasn't the best student. I'm a, I'm a bad listener. <laughs> I'm a bad student. That's why I told dad I wasn't going to college because I never enjoyed teaching. So kind of like my best method was I just liked learning songs, but I hated learning the solos because I, I didn't like playing other people's solos. I didn't enjoy it. So if people asked me to play a guitar solo, I can't, I can't play you one guitar solo from one song out there, but I can make up one, you know? So I'm not the, I'm not, I don't know all the parts perfectly to lead, but you know, I can make up one pretty good. <laughs> so, you know, that kind of works on stage, which is, that's all I'm really trying to do is make it work on stage. And how long were you playing or at what age did you kind of first be like, you know what, I'm pretty good at this, even compared to all the other people here, like, I can, I can really play this thing. Well, I was probably like 16 because when I did that and I was working a lot at the golf course at the time and I went and bought here, I can grab it. Cause you guys are on T. Uh, I went, <laughs> it's right here. And this, this is my favorite guitar and I saved up the money. And this is a, a 19, uh, it's a 60th anniversary Stratocaster. And I went and picked it up at guitar center and I had never had an American made guitar at that age. And I said, I figured at that point I deserved it. Um, I'll put that thing down. I'll stop playing it. And <laughs> I, I went and I bought with my own money and I spent about $1,200 on that thing. And I spent a long time saving up for it. And I said, you know, I, I deserve it at this point. So I think I was 16 because I bought it shortly after my 16th birthday. And uh, it's got chips and all that jazz on the back from being played a lot. So I, I, at that age, I was like, you need a, a good tool and, you deserve it at this point. So this puppy's been with me for, for five years now, which, wow, I feel really old. I'm only 21 the way I'm talking. <laughs> Do you still use that one? <laughs> yes. I really only use this and, and one other guitar because I'm not a big gearhead. A lot of guys in Nashville have a lot of gear and I'm just like, man, I just, I lack patience to go through all that gear and whatever works yeah. now, it just keeps on working for me. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. So I've never been a huge gearhead. I'm just like, well, it sounds good and plays good. That's all I need, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So when did the songwriting start to come for you? Well, 
Man, that's a good question because I didn't understand the whole, I mean, I had had like ideas in my phone and I had written a little bit, but I didn't realize how much Nashville was built around songwriting. So when I got to Nashville and they're like talking about co-writing and hooks, I'm just like, going like what are you guys talking about? Because I grew up on rock and roll and blues. It was just like, you just kind of threw paint at a wall and expected it to look pretty. And um, <laughs> which doesn't always work. I guess that's modern art though. People pay a lot of money for it. But um, then again, I'm a musician. People don't pay a whole lot of money for anything. In this <laughs> you know? So it was kind of one of those things where it was kind of a shock in a sense. I was like, oh, people actually write songs for a living. Mm-hmm. which is just nuts that which is something I'm still chasing it's such a hard thing but it's just like um when I got to Nashville I was like oh I should probably start writing songs if I want to do something with this so I remember that first year I was so head down in writing that I, I probably you know I was and I was luckily to live in Midtown at the time and I was out probably five nights a week and you know I had my fake ID and I was out at Tin Roof and um Live Oak wasn't Live Oak yet. I hadn't got, I couldn't get in the Red Door. That one never worked there, but I would go and I was just talking to people. I was out all the time trying to get rights. And I was, I mean, I wrote like 180 songs that first year in Nashville. Wow. They all sucked. Wow. They all sucked bad. <laughs> but I, was like, I do not regret it. Cause I was like, you know what? I threw myself in the ringer and you know, you just learn that this town is really built off songs. Cause when we're talking about you know, anyone from Stapleton to, you know, Church and Wallen and Combs, we, we all talk about their songs. Yeah. You know, so it's like the whole thing. And even going back to the 60s and 70s, you go, man, have you heard this song by yada yada? The whole thing's built off songs. So you have to just keep writing songs. And I mean, I believe most of them suck. I think that's how most songwriters think. And that we're all, we're all our uh, own worst critics in a sense, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So who are some of your favorite people to write with now? Well, my roommate, he's somewhere. I think he might have walked outside, but oh, he's over there. My roommate, Alex Schofield, I like writing with him. He's a very good lyric guy. He thinks a lot of the lyrics. And my buddy, Tommy O'Keefe, I've co-written a few songs with him. He's pretty darn good. And it's, I read with SJ. SJ is a great writer too. My friend, Joy Beth Taylor, she's really good. And it's just, you know, it's, you really never know what you're going to get when you get into a room with someone because, you know, sometimes you get in a room and people, you know, they just kind of whip out one of these like, you know, six, five, four modern country things. And you write a song with a good hook and we go, yeah, it's pretty good. And some days you get in a write and your co-writer just kind of pours out um, this big emotional thing that they've been going through. And, you know, a lot of my best songs is from when a co-writer comes and tells me something deep, you know, they've been going through. I've seen friends go through a marriages divorces have kids and you know lost parents and and that kind of thing it's it's um that's the amazing thing about co-writing is you get to know people there's people in Nashville that I'm closer with than than some extended family just because when you and I don't know I don't know if y'all live in town if any of you live in town it's when you sit around and have bonfires till 3 a.m and you know they're over eating dinner or having drinks you really get to know people more than you really expect to you know, which um, is sometimes sometimes a good thing, sometimes a bad thing, you know, <laughs> so, so you just got to kind of, you know, but it's great. I love people. I'm a big people person. I'm always having barbecues. And have, like last night we had, I don't know, I made a big pot of gumbo and 12 people were at my house and I didn't really know three or four or five of them. But it's I'm a people person. So I love talking to people and just kind of learning their story because people are just amazing to me. I've always been that way. 
Yeah. So was it difficult moving from Chicago to Nashville or was it just real easy? The, the city thing wasn't because a lot of people talk about traffic and I was like, well, yeah, I mean, if you go to Detroit, New York, LA, Dallas, I mean, there's good traffic everywhere. But the thing for me, it was my mom, like three days after I was done with high school, my dad couldn't get off work. So my mom and I packed up a U-Haul and I think we drove down on a Saturday which probably almost three years ago to the day. And she dropped everything off and she left the next morning. So there I was, I was 18 and I'm in Nashville. And I kind of like, I kind of remember this so clearly. I'm looking out the window. I'm like, Oh my God. Like what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> and I knew one person, I knew Joy Beth Taylor. She's mm-hmm. amazingly talented. Have you guys, have you guys seen her play? Not I'm yet. not, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I've heard a lot about her. She's yeah. a beast. She's a beast. So she was the first person I knew. And I kind of was like, hey, I don't have any friends. You show me around town. So the first probably three months I was in town, probably about six or seven nights a week, Joy Beth would take me out and introduce me to people. And I was just moving at a thousand miles an hour, just staying out. And, you know, I realized like I have to just go out and grind it out because I was like, I was so, which I still kind of am full of steam. I was just like, man, I just got to get to where I want to go. Yeah. And uh, I thought I was ready for some things at that time, which I wasn't. And thank God I didn't get the opportunities because I was like, I'm ready for this. I'm ready for that. And then looking back, I'm like, you were not ready for that. You were not (laughs) ready for that. Chill. So, but that was kind of it. I mean, you guys have been in Nashville and it's always amazing how it's just, this town does not slow down. It does not slow down at all, ever. Even over the holidays, you're like, well, someone's writing and someone's playing, someone's getting a publishing deal, someone's getting a record deal. And then sometimes you're just like, man, I just need to go fishing and chill. You know, I got to sit back and enjoy life. But I, I love Nashville. Nashville is a great town. And how long did it take you to kind of settle in or at the very least keep up? Because you said, you know, we've been there and like I was dead when I got home. Mm-hmm. I was just beaten to the ground. So how long did it take you to get acclimated to the way that Nashville is if you have been? You know, I would say that's a really good question. I would say it really took me a year to really go like, okay, I'm in Nashville and I cannot go back. Cause I don't really have a plan. Like I literally don't know how to do anything else. That's why I tell people like, I love to say I'm a talented dude. I literally have like three talents and that's about it. So it's just like, this is all I know how to do. So it took me like a year to really go like, okay, you can't like, this is it. You have to just latch onto it. And that's when I really was able to go full head down to steam. And then like six months later, COVID hit, which kind of was like, it was kind of a shock. And then once everything's opened back up the last, you know, three, four months, I feel like everyone's finally getting used to that full head of steam again. Cause I didn't realize like, I really was out till 1am four nights a week talking to people and just, you know, I don't want to say networking, but just making friends and building relationships and all that. So it did, it probably took me a year to just get used to the speed, you know, and now, you know, we go on the roads a lot again. So it's like, sometimes I leave Friday at 6am and I'm back Sunday night. And then Monday you're in a 10am, right. It's just like, um, you're just kind of used to it. You, you run out a lot of, uh, you run out a lot of coffee, drink like four. I had two cups of coffee on stage on Broadway today, just to kind of keep up, <laughs> but it's just like, uh, you know, my parents, they don't sleep a lot, so it might be genetic. So you know, I'll get texts from my mom at three 30. She goes, I can't sleep. 
hugs. Um, hope you have a good day. <laughs> I'm like, what? It's 3.30 in the morning. I'm like, you should be asleep. She's like, don't tell me what to do. I'm like, okay, you do what you want. You know, so it's like, I guess I'm just used to not just, oh, you have to just be, it's like, it's like if I was a college student, you know, they, they party too much and they study too much, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, I'm kind of like that. Still, still 21. So I'm still the college age kind of thing. You know, I can still move this fast and I hope I make it to 30 alive or at least in one piece, you know? Yeah. Um, so you have two songs available to stream right now, uh, yes. Cooler and One Day at a Time. How did you uh, choose to release those two? So I wrote Cooler with my buddy, AJ Hawkins. I'd probably been in town like three months and I had had that title on my phone, A Cooler Keeps My Beer Cold. And I really thought it was just like a hit. I was like, wow, no one's written a song about a cooler. I still think it's a cool song. It's very rocking. So I kind of wrote that mm -hmm. my buddy AJ, because I grew up on that rock and Southern rock. And I put that out. Yeah. I was like, man, this is just a jam. And I like jams. And then one day at a time, I wrote in February of last year with my roommate, Alex Schofield. And uh, the lyrics of that song to me are what stick out the most because it's the that youthful I kind of put out that song more or less for me as like a point in my life where I was so full of steam and I was still, which I still am, but figuring out who I was and just that, you know, some nights I just want to run, get in trouble, live under the gun. That's the first two lines of the song. And that's kind of my thing is like, I'm just not afraid to go out and put it all out there, but I'm also just kind of doing it, kind of just doing it as I go, winging it with confidence. It's kind of just figuring it out. And so those two songs were kind of state points in my life of where I was at a writer where I was at personally. And these next two I'm putting out, my next single um, is called Maybe You Are. Mm -hmm. And we're wrapping up the mixing on that one at the moment. And that was much more of a love song and a moment in time, you know, that that kind of applied to me at the moment in my life uh, about falling in love in a bar. And But that that song was written um, earlier this year. So, but that that's one of my better songs I've written. And then the next one, is I was frog gigging in Arkansas with some of my good friends about a year ago. So that song is literally about gigging frogs. <laughs> and it's, yeah, I know what you're thinking. You're like, man, this, this is country as shit. And I'm like, yeah, we got a song about gigging frogs. And I frankly don't give a damn if it's too country because I was like, <laughs> let's just do it. And we, um, Lester Estelle plays drums on the track. And it's just like, it's just like, I look, I talked to my producer, Colt Capper, and I was like, we're going to make this thing stupid. Like, let's just make it <laughs> stupid. And we did that. Hunter so, actually brought up that one right before you got on. So I'm like, I'm excited that you're releasing that. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You, you played it at that round we went to. People love it. Yeah. We wrote it at like, we were on a writer's retreat. It was like 11 a.m. Five of us wrote the thing in like an hour. And I was like, like no one's going to like this thing. And I started playing it in Nashville and then like go out to a writer's round. People are like, are you going to play the frog song? And I'm like, people give up their whole lives for this town. And I'm the, I'm the douche with the frog song. Wait, that's exactly how Hunter brought it up too. Yeah. I'm like, what? Like you work your whole life for this thing. And somehow my hit's going to be about a frog. I'm like, you know what? If that's well, my I mean, friends in those places, I don't care. Like, I mean, that's how Trey Lewis is like, people oh know about yeah. that dig down in Dallas, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Trey Lewis was in my garage in July of last year and he played Dick down in Dallas and my roommate and I, Alex, uh -huh. yeah, I think Nick Haynes was there as well. And we were, uh -huh. about, we were about to go fishing and he played, he's like, isn't that cool? And we all laughed and we're like, yeah. I mean, like, I'd never heard it. <laughs> I never heard it. Like it's different. It's kind of like Lady Gaga's meat dress she wore back like in 2009. Oh, <laughs> no yeah. one forgets it, you know? 
Yeah. So it's like, I don't know. It's, so we're putting it out because I, it's like, it's like save a horse, ride a cowboy or something. I don't know. I took her out yeah. digging frogs, introduced her to my old bird dog. So I was like, I guess I'm the dude. I guess I need a frog tattoo or something like that. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure you do. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, what do you follow that up with? How do you follow up the frog song with? I'm going to need a hell of a song. So I'm still yeah. trying to write them. Is like, so I don't know. I'm the frog guy now though. Somehow I've been frog gigging like <laughs> twice my whole life, but here I am. I'm like the token duck dynasty frog dude. Oh no. Um, your song cooler is definitely rock influence. Like you, like you mentioned before, is that sound something you're going to try and stick to, or do you, do you have a sound that you, are you still just. I'm definitely trying to chase the more high energy sound mm-hmm. um, just cause I guess anybody who knows me knows I'm just a little on edge all the time, which is a good thing and a bad thing. And it hasn't gotten me in trouble yet. Thank God. Like I said, before the interview started, we can't afford drugs. So we might as well, you know, stay yep. naturally high. Um, I don't know if some people got the money to do that. Not my vibe though, but besides all the drug talk, um, we're going to backtrack here. Um, I definitely like the rock sound more because live, I, I try to do anything I do because I love being on stage. I love performing is does it, will it help an audience? Will, what will it do for an audience? Because I love slow songs. I love slow ballads. I love love songs. I love heartbreak songs. But yeah. I also love the best concerts I've been to. You know, I, I remember I saw Green Day at Wrigley Field when I was like 17 or 18. And Billy Joe Armstrong did not slow down for two and a half hours. And the crowd <laughs> opened up. And I was like, not that I'm like trying to go like emo punk country. <laughs> no. People who gig frogs don't do that. But <laughs> yeah. That would definitely not be the vibe. Like if I had like black eyeliner on, you know. And, you uh, never know. Yeah, th- there you go. You never know. I was, just saying, I was like, you just never know what could happen these days. But, you know, that's kind of the thing is I love the, the high energy thing. And, you know, a couple of slow songs in there. You know, just a couple. You know, we want to cry a little bit. But I also just like, I like putting the pedal down and just, you know, punch them in the teeth. Yeah. With music, not physically. <laughs> oh, maybe not. Well, and you mentioned you also just came from a gig today. Um, mm-hmm. Where was it? How did it go? So I to, to pay my bills, I play on Broadway about three days a week, which sometimes it's a bad mantra in Nashville. People are like, oh, you play on Broadway, you play covers. And it's like, I've had a couple nine to fives in Nashville, and I hated it so bad that I was like, I'm just going to go sing and play guitar because I enjoy it more. Yeah. Than- so it does suck sometimes because some days there's no one there and some days there's a bunch of people there. Some days you make 50 bucks, some days you make $300. So, you know, it's kind of like you kind of wake up and you go like, all right, we're going to roll with the punches and you kind of learn you got to hustle and you got to do that kind of thing. But I played at the stage, their main stage this morning with a few of my buddies. So it's kind of like, it's fun because we start, we play classic country and then we were playing, you know, 80s rock the last hour, depending on the, you know, but you your entertaining skills go up because it's just you have to learn how to handle handle a crowd of sometimes it's like three people or sometimes it's 300 people so it's definitely I remember I worked at Bass Pro for like two months and I worked the stocking shift from 5 a.m to 1 p.m and I had to wake up at 3 45 like four days a week and I was like yeah this is not and it was during COVID so like I couldn't there was no Broadway available yet this was like in the middle of COVID and I was like wow, this sucks. Like this sucks big time, you know? So I was like, I haven't stepped foot in the Bass Pro since. I'm not going to say why. I just <laughs> haven't. <Are you? laughs> so, but I'm like, 
you know what? I'm just going to stick with the, I'm going to stick with the music thing until it probably kills me. So. I mean, you might as well do something that you're enjoying, you know? That is true. That's very philosophical. (laughs) (laughs) I try. (laughs) She's writing a book, you guys. She's writing a book. (laughs) And do you have to play, say, a Tuesday afternoon crowd differently than you would approach a Friday or Saturday night crowd on Broadway? Or do they kind of work the same? 100%. If I have. So I have, I usually have a Thursday 6 to 10. And I have, uh, you know, uh, what's today? Today's Tuesday, a Tuesday 10 to 2. So the Tuesday 10 to 2, you know, when you're out there running the bucket for requests, we got like Johnny Cash, Eric Church, Keith Whitley, Waylon Jennings, George Jones, a lot of the older country. Because, but which is mm-hmm. great because all these older people, they have $20 bills. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. <laughs> and listen, college girls, they're absolutely beautiful. Do they carry $20 bills? No, they don't. So, you know, they don't, I'm not going to lie. I'm just going to say it. I'm a guy of honest truth and very open person. So the six to 10, you're like pushing the Venmo and you're pushing, you know, Morgan Wallen and, uh, you know, they love eighties rock, which is actually really cool is to see that young people love eighties rock. And I'll sing, uh, you know, Whitney Houston, I sing Whitney Houston on that ship. So it's like that it's definitely a whole different ball game of your spread of music. Like when I was in that wedding band, I learned so much because, we played a wedding. We we literally played for five hours with one break, and we'd get all the food we wanted to eat, which was great. I ate all the food I could on that gig, but you know, we we'd start out with like Frank Sinatra and Nat King Cole, and we were ending the set with Shania Twain and Metallica and all these upbeat party songs. So it's kind of like in those two short years I was with that group, I learned such a widespread of music that when I got to Broadway, they're like, "Can you play for four hours?" And I was just like, "Yeah." You know, and you just kind of have your little phone up there and you scroll through if you need your chart and you learn, kind of learn the songs as you go. So it's, it was definitely like, I don't know, it keeps you on your toes. It's an exciting way to live. It's, an, it's exhausting. I know SJ, she does a lot of Broadway stuff as well. Mm-hmm. So she knows that game kind of as well as just, you just have to go down there and you have to love it. I mean, you hate it sometimes, but you really have to love it, you know? And now that you mention it though, that the day crowd, you know, they got a little bit more money on them because they're an older crowd, more established. Is there a prime time that the more seasoned veterans that have cut their teeth for years, like they get first dibs on, like what is Nashville prime time? I would say, man, six to tens on a Friday. I mean, the 10, 10 to closes, I know those are great, but man, I know, I know the guys who have the, the closing, the six to tens on Fridays and Saturdays at Kid Rocks, which is when like Morgan Wallen will come hop on stage when he's bored and Kid Rock. I mean, and those, and you can actually, you can actually make a living, but those are guys, those are people who have been in Nashville, you know, 10 years, you know, it's like they, they cut their teeth on that scene as hard as people are cutting their scene over on the songwriter scene, you know, looking for a publishing deal. It's a 10 year town on Broadway. Now I'm not married to Broadway because I don't want to be on Broadway 10 years, five years. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's why I'm just like, I take my two or three shifts a week and I go, I go make my living with that and we go on the road with my band and I play shows. And, but it's, there's guys who, and they, they're 40, 50 years old and they have those shifts locked down and they're a six piece band and they're making a living doing that. It's just kind of one of those things you have a choice. People think Broadway is because people, I mean, Broadway will mess with your head because people love you. They go, man, you're amazing. You should be on the radio, blah, 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 record deal. You're the next this, you're the next that. And then, they go three bars down 30 minutes later here. The next guy sing Tennessee whiskey by Chris Stapleton and go like, but wait, 
you're the next Chris Stapleton, you know? And yeah. so it's just like, oh, wait. Oh, there you are. I lost you guys for a minute. But you just kind of have to keep it in your head that that's a form of I'm learning, I'm practicing, I'm building skills, and I'm making a living. But the real thing is that you have to, you know, we know who Garth is because of his songs. Even though he didn't write all of them, you mm-hmm. know who Garth is with his songs. Mm-hmm. You know who Luke Combs is because of his songs. You know who Aaron Church is because of his songs. Is You have to keep on. Yeah, I got to keep on living. I think that's an important thing is that if you write all the time, you're not going to have anything to write about. You have to go out like Tony Lane. He's written like run by George Strait. I need you, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill um, on my way to you, Cody Johnson. And he's a big advocate for like living and that you have to go out. And I, I mean, I love travel. Like I was at the Indy 500 having a ball this weekend. And it's just like, you have to go out and you have to just live because I could go up on stage and sing about, you know, you know, heartbreak and blah, blah, blah. But I think people want to know who you are and like the song gig it. I mean, it's goofy as hell. It's, it makes you laugh, but like, it's kind of who I am. It's just like, I'm kind of loud and kind of out there and I'm kind of honest about it. And it's just like, I, I don't know how that song, once again, I don't know how that's the song, but that's the song, you know, it's just like people, you can cover up a lie and people won't know, but you could smell bullshit from a mile away and people have a great bullshit meter nowadays. So it's like, just don't, just don't, just don't be full of shit. You know, pardon my French, but like, just don't go out and find who you are, go out and suck. And, you know, you're going to make mistakes. I've made plenty of mistakes along the way. I don't regret a whole lot. But it's like at 21, I'm like, I can say that I've I've definitely been trying. You know what I mean? And we're still getting there. So it's just, you know, it's, it's a process. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned uh, you used to play golf and still do. Is there any like networking opportunities in the music business for golf? I'd say it's a great way to take people, you know, and get to know them better because people kind of let their guard down on the golf course when you're just drinking beers, driving around. And you can learn a lot about people, you know, when they're, when they're golfing because you're together for four or five hours. And it's also just fun. It's also a lot of fun to not, because we don't talk about music when we're on the golf course, usually, you know, because when you live it 24 seven, you almost kind of want to don't talk about it for a few hours. You know, we don't, musicians don't talk about music. Mm -hmm. You know, when we have bonfires here, there's 30 musicians here and we really don't, we really don't talk about music. We might get out a guitar late at night and play some songs we wrote and all that, but we, we talk about our personal lives. And I mean, gosh, we had, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's some people having fun out back during these things and there's some people crying there's some people laughing and, you know, it's just about people breaking down their walls and golf is a great way to do that because it's 90% relationship and 10% business, you know? Yeah, definitely. And I mean, that goes back to what you said. So about when, are you gonna, when are you guys coming to town? When are we going to play golf? That's what I'm wondering. <laughs> Next time we come. Yeah. I'll play you hit with me you. up. We'll yeah. go out there, man. Yeah. We'll go yeah, out for there. Sure. That's Hunter's thing, isn't it? Don't yeah. You golf a yeah. Lot, Hunter? yeah. I play, I golf a lot. So we'll definitely have to play. <laughs> So hey, play I, money. Is I, I can hit one really far sure, yeah. golf from the top <laughs> floor. Well, <laughs> me extra twenty yards. Well, hold on, that that's what you're forgetting, Brett. If you if you own a set of clubs and you know how to drink beer, then you can come golf. That's the thing is, I just I just play best ball. 
is Boom. and I and I end up following Hunter's ball. So we hit it and I hit it. And <laughs> I saw the matter. Whether yeah. I get my ball back or not is to be determined, but I just follow him. <laughs> we're just out there to have a good time. That's all I care about. Yeah. Yeah. Next time we're in town, we'll have to play for sure. Yeah, when, when are you guys coming back? Um I well, I guess we don't really have anything planned right now. I'm kind of looking at moving down there actually. I was say, so Hunter's next trip is a one way. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> So maybe this fall. Yeah. I'm hoping to be down there this fall. So I would say sooner the better. Cause it's, yeah, I want to say it's only getting busier, but I feel like it hasn't gotten less busy like ever except during COVID, which was just like yeah. a huge shock. But yeah. yeah, I remember that first, like I was on stage at Tootsie's when, um, when the health department walked in oh, gosh. and they go <laughs> shut it down and we're on stage. We are in the middle of stay here and drink by Merle Haggard. <laughs> and like, they're like, yeah, shut it down. Everyone has to leave. And we're like, like, are you serious? The health department's like, like kick, kicked all the customers out and looked at all of us on stage. They said, pack it up and go home. And I remember we literally, after, no lie after the moment, we passed around the tip jug as people were leaving out the yeah. back. Because <laughs> we're like, well, this might be a little while. So it, was, <laughs> it was definitely a shock when it, when it happened. Seeing, seeing Nashville dead was just so, it was so I depressing. Bet. Oh, I bet. I That's. Bet. I cannot imagine. I've yeah, always it was, it was so quiet. I've always heard about Broadway being closed and stuff being closed. I didn't realize that they came in in the middle of busy hours. I thought that was just an ordinance from the city. It's like, hey, starting on this day, you just can't open. They really came in and were like, get the hell out. Yeah, they literally the help department like walked in, went to first floor, told them to shut down, and I was on third floor on the rooftop with the band, and like they literally like walked up and like just yelled, "We're done." We're like, it's done. Shut it down because Steve Smith, the owner of Tootsie's, the ordinance was out there, but the ordinance wasn't law, wasn't like metropolitan law at the moment. It was just, and I think it kind of became law like in that moment because yeah. I think COVID was like, it like got like bad, bad, you know? That's kind of the, I guess this was the part, I guess this was like late March, maybe. I forgot the day, but, and they were like, no, it's dead. And I remember like being like, what? how the heck because i was like i was that guy going this is gonna last a month and it's gonna be over yeah why was i wrong yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really wrong about a that bit. a little so, bit <laughs> i wasn't being optimistic but it was just like it was so weird because there's people that i'm just starting to see now in the last few weeks that i haven't seen since february of last year yeah you know it's like coming back from like summer camp <laughs> really long summer camp yeah. and, well i know you said that you know I, I i'll sit there with you i was like i'll we'll be we'll yeah go through this in a, in a month but yeah. what was your 24 hours after being shut down like like were you panicked did you not know where to like what what went through your head there was definitely a sense of like i think a lot of nashville artists went through that thing of like damn like i'm in nashville and, but there's no music happening. Yeah. You know, I, I know we tried Zoom writing. There was people who, I mean, like, uh, like co-writing, people didn't want to come over and co-write. People didn't want to come hang out. So it was kind of like, we just kind of hunkered down and you know, we were hunkered downers, as they like to say. And I remember just being like, I don't know how long this is going to last, but we're just like, I remember I talked about my parents and they're like, you're just going to have to really, really wait it out. I didn't go back home because I was like, I'm just going to stay in Nashville. And then 
I mean, we kind of partied the first two, three weeks because we thought it was going to let up. So we kind of just had a ball the first two, three weeks ago. <laughs> <Not gonna lie. laughs> like, it's going to let up. There's a vacation. And, uh, you know, and we started playing shows again, socially distant shows. Oh, probably about June, June or July, probably, luckily. So it was, it was a weird three, four months. But I mean, we were kind of almost not busy again, definitely not a capacity, but I was back on Broadway playing for crowds that were sitting down again there about June, June or July, mm-hmm. which was good. But still, it was like it was almost depressing because you're like there was no soul down on Broadway. Now, yeah. people have done a great job of putting Broadway soul back into it. These <laughs> last oh, yeah. Months. So which is nuts because the crowds are definitely. I don't want to say they're bigger. I want to say they're the same. But the energy of a crowd, I mean, people are just so hungry to go out and have a good time oh, yeah. where it's almost like, you're like, oh my gosh, like, I can't believe how rowdy people are. Uh, I didn't think people could get that wild, but people are definitely still, you know, kind of fiending, kind of salivating at their teeth of the, the ability to just be at full capacity. And you have to remind people you can dance because some people think you can't get up, <laughs> which is shocking me because it's been over a year, but. I mean, COVID, I mean, it's just like, it kind of knocked a year off everyone's career. I've talked about it with my dad and he's like, yeah, just think, you know, if this doesn't happen, you're where you are now a year ago. So it's like, you just kind of have to have patience. It's like this music thing. It just does not, it really doesn't happen overnight. You just kind of have to stick your, it's like anything in life though. You just kind of have to wait it out and it takes a long time to build. Yeah. But, um, now look, things are starting to open back up and, uh, you actually have a lot going on for you this year. You're going to perform at a few festivals, mm-hmm. um, open it up for Luke Combs, Ashley McBride, Riley Green, Sam Hunt, stuff like that. How, are you excited for all that? Very excited. Very, <laughs> we're, we're, these next few weeks, we're kind of just getting started to ramp up on all the work because those shows are, they're really big deals for us. They're 30 yeah. minute shows. So it's like you make your eight song set list and you go pl- practice it, you know, 20 times. <laughs> so we're really excited because it's just been, there's just been so much work. I mean, I play, you kind of have to, I don't like to live in the thing of like what I deserve and what I should be doing, but it's more like kind of my guys and I, we've been working so hard just for the opportunity. Yeah. You know, it's really not about the money or, I mean, cause I mean, hell, we're musicians. We don't make Jack squad out there anyway, <laughs> but it's just like, you know, we're not, I'm not really big as a country artist, you know, at, at this time and age, but you have to start somewhere. And it feels like this is a big corner turn for us. I say us by bad and I, but just as an artist, like, okay, it's going, it's doing something. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so it's exciting to just have a, have a bigger opportunity and capitalizing because a lot of preparation goes into it and just like, just got to go out there and you just got to, you just got to be you. So we're definitely so excited to just, I mean, have a green room. Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> like the greatest part about having an artist pass at any festival, with private bathrooms, because, you know, you guys know how border potties are at a festival. Not, yeah, not my feng shui, yeah. not my deal. That's the best part about having a pass at these is the private bathrooms and the cool bottle of water waiting for you. So, <laughs> You know, we're going up to Wisconsin and Kansas and then mm-hmm. uh, Denver. So a lot of driving. My van's in the shop at the moment actually getting all, you know, so that's killing me. But, you know, yeah, that's my daily driver is a 20-foot van. But we're excited to just go out and 
you know, music, it just, it just never gets old. The, the 15 hour drive sucks, but the hour on stage is a great time. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Clayton. Well, before we turn you loose for the rest of your night, uh, I want you to let everyone listening know again, who you are, where they can find you, plug your songs, ears. If you got any upcoming shows you want our listeners to know about, let them know you have the floor. Well, I just want to say thank you all so much for having me on the Tailgate Country Podcast. It has been a pleasure. You guys need to get on back to Nashville, bring your golf clubs. But if you guys want to find me, you guys can just look up Clayton Man Music on all the socials. And I'm, I'm there all the time. If you want to hit me up and talk, if you're having a tough day, if you're hungry, come on by, stop by the house. But um, ClaytonMan.net, that's where all the tour dates are. Spotify, there's two more singles coming out soon and on Apple Music as well. But if you look up Clayton Man, it's like Peyton Manning, but turn the Peyton to Clayton and make the Manning man and you'll find the name but if you look it up and we're a busy touring band my band and i so you know just look up the name and you guys can find us but it's been a pleasure it's been a lot of fun you know you guys just walked up right up to me at whiskey jam i remember it's been cool that you guys yeah. it's just it's been cool that you guys are you know doing a podcast thing and reaching out to all of us in the national community yeah for sure we appreciate you coming on appreciate yeah. your time um and yeah we'll we'll get back out to nashville hunter will show you how it's done on the golf course I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll drive the golf cart. <laughs> i'm like a challenge man yeah <laughs> just volunteered him for it. it's all right yeah <laughs> but thanks clayton we appreciate it and we'll uh let you get on with the rest of your day we'll talk to you soon no problem y'all be good you too thanks, see ya. man see ya everyone for listening hope you enjoyed the interview just as much as we did if you did please leave a review on apple Podcasts. it helps our show grow helps us improve if you have suggestions for artists that you'd like to see on here let us know let us know on social media let us know in that review down there you can dm us you can email us but if you don't already please be sure to follow us on instagram at t gate country and at country pickens that's p-i-c-k-i-n-z but thank you everyone for listening and we'll see y'all right back here again next week Thank you.